So this is a pretty exciting day as a church. It is fun. I, I, I agree with you. The sec, I mean, it's so cool that what a privilege it is to be able to do this twice today. And, and I'm really looking forward to, to the future and, and what God is doing here at LifeSpring. I hope you've noticed that this is an act of obedience to make room, to make room in this church. Like Joe said, for those that are lost, for those that uh, need uh, to find Jesus. That includes me. In fact, if we could just take a moment here and take a look to your left and take a look to your right, just kind of observe. See that there's some empty seats here. Look around. Now I want you to envision the lives that each one of those seats represents. Right now, there are people, maybe they're at home, maybe they're in their bed, maybe they're eating at Denny's, maybe they're on the road that God loves so much. He loves them so much that he wants to bring them into this house. He wants to fill these seats and he loves them through you. He loves them through you. You are his hands and his feet. You are the body of Christ. This is so well represented in the book of Acts. Look at the third chapter of Acts. Peter and John, remember them to the, to the apostles. They're on the way to the temple to pray. At the gate, there's this man. He's been lame since birth. He's been carried in every day to the temple gate so he can beg for money. When the lame man saw Peter and John, he asked them for money. But Peter said, look at us. I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. The man, he jumps up. He begins to walk. The Bible said he went walking, leaping and praising God into the temple with them. Peter and John, they're the hands and feet of Jesus. And this all happened because Jesus has already ascended into heaven. He's told his disciples to wait for the promise of the father. Does anyone remember what is the promise of the father? The Holy Spirit. Thank you, Joe. How about anybody else? Did anyone remember what the promise of the, whole, of the Father was? All right, we got two people now. That's, we're really rolling here. Um, really? <laughs> we're four square. Come on. So the Father sends the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. And what happens? Boom, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. The church is born. The good news of Jesus Christ begins to spread. In fact, look at what Peter and John did and all the other apostles. And you can see how you and I, we are now playing our part in this 2,000-year-long relay race of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the world that started with these first two and these first 12 disciples. It's incredible, right? And for us, Lifespring, one of the ways that we get to do this is what Joe was just talking about, inviting people to church. Listen up, Life Spring. You are the light of the world, the Bible tells us. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine, Life Spring, before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus entrusted us to be the light when he left. I don't know what he was thinking, but that's what he did. He entrusted us to be the light. One day, guess what? Jesus Christ, he is coming back and he's going to come for us, for his church, for his bride. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But this does not mean that we just put our arms folded and crossed and grumpy and sit back and wait for him to catch us up and take us away. No, we are to be about our father's business. We must be the hands and feet of Jesus. I believe we have the responsibility to reach out as much as we possibly can to do and touch as many as we possibly can with the good news that Jesus is alive and he is alive to give us eternal life. He didn't save us to save us. He didn't just save us to save us. He saved us for a bigger purpose. He saved us to reach others, to reach this world with the good news, the gospel that Jesus saves. 
So I'm pretty excited today. I'm, I had a good night's sleep. And I would just say today is only the beginning of this next chapter of life at LifeSpring. This community, this body of Christ that's going to go into our community and reach our community for the kingdom of God. Buckle up. Buckle up. So here's the deal. We got these trees. I don't know why there are still trees here. I feel like Christmas was a long time ago. But here we are in a church with some really cool trees um, so they're, we'll just call them Martin Luther King trees since we got Martin Luther King in January. So I don't know how that works, but they're here. So we're going to embrace it. Uh, but anyways, hopefully for the rest of us, we've put in away our holiday decorations by now. Uh, I know my kids, they've had an opportunity to play with their toys. They've also had the opportunity to uh, break their toys. Trevin, he, uh, we had to send back a remote control helicopter that we got him because it was flawed. Um, it wasn't working. It, uh, part of the flaw was that he kept on running it into the refrigerator. But... Um, so it didn't work. We, we have um, some clothes, right? New clothes that we decided to wear. Um, I'm not, I'll just go ahead and share it. This, I was supposed to wear a new shirt from my in-laws today, but it was an extra large. And uh, it was just really, really large on me. So now I'm wearing a large shirt, which feels a little, little tight on me. So I, unfortunately, I'm somewhere in between the large and extra large. So I don't know what that means. Like a, what would you call that? Like a, a medium large or a large extra. I don't know. We just need to invent another size because I'm feeling really awkward up on stage with this tight shirt. But the other one was really big. I'm just telling you, it was huge. You wouldn't want me up here with a big one, but it's really stressful for me. But, uh, but here's the deal with my weight. I, just so you know, I signed up for a gym membership just like everybody else does on January 1st. And I decided to join uh, Vision Quest. My wife actually signed me up. She gave me a piece of paper that said Biggest Loser. And she, she said, I want you to do this. And it's the 90-day uh, Biggest Loser competition starts January 30th. So... Um, thank you, Mary, for doing that. I love you. I kind of feel like that's me giving her a vacuum on her birthday. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> nonetheless, um, that's where I'm at. And, and part of it is because of the holidays. The reality, I mean, starting in Thanksgiving through uh, Christmas uh, into the New Year, I just loved the holidays this year. I, I really embraced the candies and the fudge and the sweets and, and, and all that came along with it. My stomach is still recovering uh, from the holidays. But I love the holidays. It's just so much fun. I, I embrace them. I enjoy them. And I love Christmas most of all. One of the fun things we get to do for Christmas is we get to go to a, a big family Christmas with my relatives. I'm the youngest of five kids. All of us are married. My, my parents have 20 grandkids now. So this is a big fun party. But my parents and my siblings and, and myself, we make presents for each other. And this year, Mary and I made giant Jenga. So a normal Jenga piece is about this big, right? But we made giant Jenga, and we have a picture of it. There we go. So that's my nephew, Nathan. And that's the Jenga that we made. It was pretty cool. In fact, to make it, I had to use the skill saw, and I had to cut 270 blocks to have enough blocks for everybody. And, and I'm not used to using a skill saw. It was only the second time I'd ever used one. The first time I used one, I was trying it out in my living room just to see how it works. And you don't do that, by the way, because after that one cut, I had sawdust throughout my whole living room. But nonetheless, 270, my forearm was cramping by the end of it all. But I did it because I love my family. But if you know anything about Jenga, anyone here ever played Jenga? Come on, I love Jenga. It's even more fun when it's that big. But the reality is you take a block from that's kind of, it's a tower, and you take a block from down below, and you put it up top, right? And you keep on doing this, and you have to keep on doing it without letting the whole thing 
tumble down, fall apart. And, and whoever knocks it down is the big loser. It's a fun game. But once you, what you realize right away with Jenga is how important the foundation is, right? The, the foundation is so important to building the tower. If it's kind of shaky below, right, kind of twisted, does it ever twist on you, or, or unstable in any way at the base, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And the higher it gets, the greater the probability that the whole thing is coming down. The same principle is true in our lives. The same principle is true in the life of this church. If we build our lives on a shaky foundation, the reality is one day, whether it's today, tomorrow, or in 20 years, the whole thing will come tumbling down. Has that happened in anyone's life before? You bet. You bet. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching, this is how important the foundation is. He says, anyone who has listened to my teaching and follows it is, a, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Would you say foolish? Foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And so we as Christians, we commit each one of us to build our house on the teachings of Jesus Christ. We don't just listen to his teachings, but we obey them. We follow them because we are a house built on Jesus and it will not collapse. And as true as that is in our own lives, it's also true as a church. Life Spring Church is to be built on the teachings of Jesus. If it is built on anything else, you will begin to see, I guarantee you will begin to see it to sway, to wobble, begin to lean. And I promise you, it will all fall down. My prayer has always been it will continue to be, Lord Jesus, if this church loses its focus, if we stop proclaiming Jesus, if we stop preaching the scriptures, then close it down. Shut us up. Close the doors. If this church becomes about personalities, charisma, just feeling good or or being happy, if anything gets exalted over Jesus in this place, then Father God, close it down. And as we move into this new season, this new chapter of life at LifeSpring, I challenge every one of us today. As a church, as individuals, do everything you can to regain your focus on Jesus. Tattoo him once again on your heart. Talk to him. Pray to him. Worship him. Read about him. Spend time with him. It's a new year. I mean, this is the perfect time to allow the Holy Spirit to rekindle the fire, to fan the flame once again for your first love. You know, with everything kind of just feeling new and exciting today, I I thought it would be good for us to take some time, some serious time as a church this morning to refocus as a church, remind ourselves of what Life Spring Foursquare Church is all about, why we exist at the church. And so the question I'd ask is, who is Life Spring? You know, what are we made of? What are we made of? Each church is different. I mean, you realize that each church has its unique, own unique DNA. Different churches are called to different tasks and to different missions. Yeah, we all have the same great commission, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey the commands of Jesus. We all got that one in our back pocket. But how each church goes about doing that, it looks different from church to church. Go visit ten churches and come back, and you will have experienced ten very different experiences. Have you noticed it? It's true. And I think it's wonderful because as Christians, we want to do everything we can to reach everyone for Christ. 
and people, they're, they're different. They have different likes. They have different dislikes, interests, and passions. And who am I to say that LifeSpring is the right church for everybody in this community? So I'm happy that there's different styles and even different sizes of churches in our area. But with that being said, LifeSpring, this is so important. Who are we? Who are we? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Soon after I became your senior pastor, I think it was last January, I, I, I did a series, a seven-week sermon series called The Building Blocks of Life and Life Spring. During those seven weeks, we walked through the eight areas, the, the eight subjects that matter to us as a church. These are the things that we are going to spend the majority of our time talking about, praying about, teaching about. These things matter. These are the values that are ingrained in the DNA of Life Spring Church. When one of them is missing, I mean, you can, only, you can almost see it. When, when one of these things is missing, we're out of bounds. We're kind of like that Jenga tower. And today, I just know that if, if we're missing one of those things, we are in danger of falling down. So I, I want to go through these, these building blocks of life at LifeSpring. I pray that by the end of the day, I believe this, that every one of us would be able to walk out of here with a renewed sense of vision, with a renewed sense of purpose for why we, LifeSpring Church, this little church on a hill in the corner of 36th and Meridian in the little town of Edgewood, why we exist. But before I go any further, would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord God, I'm fired up this morning. I'm so excited to be a part of this church. I don't know what I'm doing in Edgewood. I never dreamed about being in Edgewood, but yet you placed me here. And as much as you placed me here, you placed each one here in this community, God. And I know that you've placed us here for a reason and for a purpose. And I pray that you would challenge us today, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to live with intentionality and purpose. God, give us dreams. Give us visions. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You've got to be awake today. So when we look at building blocks of life at Life Spring, the number one building block is the word of God. If you're taking notes, write that down. Word of God. I hope and pray that the word of God will always be the driving force of everything we say and everything we do here at the church. I've attended church services where they didn't use scripture in their service, not even once. If you ever find yourself in that place, run away, run away quick. Get yourself into a Bible based church. Life Spring's purpose, values, and mission are all based upon what God has revealed to us through His Holy Scripture. Every day before I read my Bible, I pray this. I pray, Holy Spirit, illuminate my mind. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my heart. Teach me what you might want to say to me through your Holy Word. The Bible, it's what we turn to in times of distress. It's the unchangeable truth of God in times of uncertainty. It's our daily bread, our daily manna, the spiritual food for our souls that nourishes us and sustains us. It's in a world full of dissatisfaction and discontentment. It is the only thing that satisfies the deepest longings of the human heart. The Word of God is incredible. And if you thought that, you would say, Amen. That's great, buddy. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy in regards to the scriptures. He says, listen up, all authority, all scripture in, is God breathed and useful for, listen up, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So the, the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is a power-packed scripture. You can pull out so much out of these two verses. Number one, by the Bible talking about us being equipped for every good work. You, you better pay attention. Every good work. The Bible is telling us that God has good works for you. Some of you don't believe that, but he actually does. And number two, that he's going to use his holy Bible to equip you to do those good works. Does that make sense? 
that he actually has things for you to do. And he's going to use his Bible to equip you to do those things. But you got to get with the program. you got to get with the program. It's time for you to stop just calling yourself a Christian, but actually sign up for what it means to be a Christian. Christians know their Bibles, and they allow the Bible to teach them, to rebuke them, to correct them, to train them in righteousness. Why do we allow the Bible to have that effect on our lives? Why? Because we need to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You get in the Word of God because you need it. You do. You need it. I need it. You need some teaching. You need some rebuking. You need some correcting. You need some training up in righteousness. You need it because God's got some things for you to do and He wants to equip you to do them. How exciting that is that God actually wants to equip us, prepare us to do the things that He's called us to do. But you've got to get with the program. Some of you are trying to do this whole Christian life without the Word of God. It's like trying to be a chef without a cooking class or a surgeon without med school or a pilot without a flying lesson. I ain't getting on that plane. And yet that's exactly what some of us are trying to do. Trying to live out the Christian life without reading and studying the Word of God. So get into it. You know, we put that uh, daily reading plan into your Bibles uh, this, this last week in the bulletins. Uh, or daily reading plan into the bulletins this last week. We made some extra copies. We have them in the back at the Welcome Center. Pick up a copy. You can also find it online at our website. How many people have been to our website? It's really cool. Go to www.lifespringfs, as in foursquarefs.com. And truly, get into the Word of God. So number one, building block of life, Lifespring, Word of God. Number two, Jesus. Jesus. He's an all-consuming thought. He takes up all of my time. He takes up all of my attention and my efforts. I can't get him out of my head. He is that good and his love is that amazing. Listen to what the author of Hebrews writes about Jesus Christ. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, they're talking about Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free, this is what we were just singing about, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And he, Jesus, might make atonement for the sins of people. Jesus is amazing. Do you see this? Jesus, God the Son, became flesh and blood. He shared in our humanity so he might break the power of the devil, freeing us, freeing us who were held in slavery by our fear of death. Did you know in Jesus, death has lost its power? Death has lost its power. In Jesus, because of Jesus, we do not have to fear death any longer. Hallelujah. It's all because of Jesus, who was fully human in every way, who became a merciful and faithful high priest who makes atonement for our sins. He has made a way for us to have eternal life by removing our sins from us. Like I already talked about and I'll talk about until I die. Jesus is everything to this church. We are his body. We do not exist without Jesus. Number three, number four, prayer and worship. Number three, prayer. This past summer, we took a church assessment survey. It was really good. We looked at what we were doing well, looked at areas where we could improve. Our leadership team had all these opportunities to look at the various ministries and and see what kind of adjustments, kind of tweaks we could make. We definitely had some weak areas, but we also had some really strong areas. Our two strongest areas, guess what they were? Prayer and worship. And I love that. 
I love that. Have you noticed that at this church, people pray for one another? They pray for one another before service and after service. It happens every week. You'll see it even throughout the day in the lobby. You'll see it in the sanctuary. You'll see it out in the parking lot. But what gets me excited is not that I'm getting to pray for people all the time, but it's that people are praying for people, that you are praying that the body of Christ is actually lifting one another up in prayer, praying for the needs of the community, praying that God would reach this community, praying for healings, praying for miracles, praying for reconciliation, for restoration, praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We pray. We pray. And there's a good reason to pray. It's not just so that we're encouraged by one another. Did you know there's actually supernatural power in prayer? Listen to James 5, 16. This is how it puts it. It says, therefore, this is for us today. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That verse is telling us that we can find healing in prayer. And that prayers, the prayers of those who are faithfully serving the Lord are both powerful. Say powerful. And they are effective. Say effective. Do you know what that means? That means our prayers actually get things done. Isn't that awesome? But you know what? As much as we pray at the church live stream, I honestly believe this and I challenge us. I think we are only at the beginning stages of what we are called to do in the area of prayer. As we move forward, as we are willing to seek the Lord in prayer, our prayer must increase. I would love to see more prayer groups, prayer before the service, prayer during the service, prayer after the service, between services, prayer nights, prayer vigils, that this would truly be a house of prayer. Listen to Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven And I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Do you believe that? Amen. I love prayer. I'm kind of sick today. I might lose my voice. And Carson and Donna, they're like, no, we're praying for you. You're not losing your voice today. And so they come up here and they just kind of just gave me the one, two and prayed for me. And I believe that we're going to make it through it. So prayer is an important building block. But number four goes right along with it. Worship. We're going to hit one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Open up your ears. It says this in regards to worship. Don't get drunk on wine. All right. Some of you, that's all you needed to hear today. You can leave. Have a great week. (laughs) Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's worship. That's worship. It comes, I mean, it's it's something deep. Did you see how deep it is? I mean, it's as you are filled with the Spirit, psalms and hymns. And songs of the Spirit begin to flow, right? They begin to rise up. And you will sing and you'll dance and you'll make music with a thankful heart to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, church. But life is hard and then it gets harder. But there is never a day, there is never a circumstance where Jesus Christ is not worthy of our praise. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled and allow praise and worship to rise up within you. Sing a song. Be filled with the Spirit and sing a song. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. He is worthy. And I think you've noticed we do a bit of singing here at the church, and that's not going to change anytime soon. But I think our vision here at LifeSpring is that worship wouldn't just be an event on Sunday morning. That worship would be a lifestyle 
a lifestyle that for those of us that are a part of this Lifespring family, we would be worshipers in everything we say and everything we do. The Bible actually talks about that. Romans 12.1. It says, this is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. He's talking about you. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The way I look at it, that he's telling me that worship is more than a song. It's more than a song. We've got to open up our minds. This whole worship thing, it's more than a song. Worship is how we live our lives. Worship is our lives. Worship is a whole body experience. Worship is where we offer our bodies all that we are, everything that we are, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's worship. And my prayer is that we would grow in this area, church, that the worship experience wouldn't end on Sunday morning. But come on, this is where it gets good, that we'd be carrying it into our homes, right? Carrying it into our workplace carrying it into our schools, carrying it to every other area of our life, that people, they would take notice of us because they would see that we are wholly dedicated to God, where our body has been offered to the Lord for his service, for his purposes. I promise you, this is a guarantee that if we begin to see worship in this view and in this light, we will make a life-changing difference in our community. Number five, community. Matthew, again, chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. We've all heard this before, but it's so powerful. An expert of the law, he comes to Jesus, asks a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus has an answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Regardless of how long you've been here, my prayer and my desire is that you will experience community here at the church. But more importantly, that you would experience loving community. Loving community, one built upon love. I hope you experience it in your life groups. I hope you experience it in your ministry serving teams. I hope you experience it at Salt Youth Group or Converge College Group or the, the, or the Light Group, the 35 and older. Tammy is over here. Would you raise your hand, Tammy? So look at Tammy back there. Tammy and uh, Deanna May, they are doing this incredible group called our Light Life Group, uh, 35 and older. If you are interested in being a part of that, you do have to be 35 or older. It's true. But if you want to be a part of that, talk to her. But I know that there is love in that place. I know that I would hope that I just pray, pre, please God, there better be love at our outreaches. I mean, if we don't got love at our outreaches, one, I'm firing you. But two... <laughs> Dude, what are we doing? I mean, how ridiculous is that? Love at our worship nights, at our prayer nights, at our life track classes, at everything that has Life Spring's name attached to it, there's got to be love. Because Jesus is clear. The first and greatest commandment is love. To love God and with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. And the second is like it. That we would love who? We'd love our neighbor. We'd love others. Love God, love your neighbor. You know, I've noticed a lot of conflict in life. It stems from the inability to actually live by this greatest commandment, right? I mean, you can tell me that you love people and that you care for others. But sometimes your actions are just telling me a whole different story. And if you struggle to love others, not just in words, but in action, your inability to love others, it's going to affect your relationship with God. Some of you don't believe that. I want to say it again. Your inability to love others is negatively going to affect your relationship with God. You can't love God and not love others. I feel like I've heard that a lot in my life growing up. 
But it's true. You just can't. You can't love God and not love others. Jesus tells us this in the parable of the sheep and the goats. Listen to what he says. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he's going to separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king's got an answer. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? Again, he's got an answer. Truly, I tell you, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. In that parable, what separates the sheep from the goats is that the sheep, they're aware and addressing the needs of others. You see that? They, they fed those who were hungry. They gave the thirsty something to drink. They invited in the stranger. They gave clothes to those who needed clothes, took care of the sick, visited the prisoner. They loved God, but they also loved who? Others. Loved God and loved others. Life spring, as we begin to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto others, a change will begin to happen. It'll change right here in our hearts. It'll happen. The Lord will begin to give us compassion for others. That we would show grace and mercy towards others. As we walk with the Lord, as we follow His ways, He's going to give us a heart for others, to love others. Instead of putting down those in need, making fun of them, ridiculing them, scorning them, instead we're going to extend the love of God to them. And the only way we can truly do this, to love others, is if we're walking by the Spirit. At LifeSpring, I hope that we understand and know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides within us. So we are walking with the Holy Spirit within us. This is really good news. Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that if we are to walk by the Spirit, we will see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Did you know that you and I, that we are producing fruit in our lives? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I love what the Bible says right after that. It says there are no laws against these things. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this is important, I hope you get this. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is found and revealed in the context of relationship with God, in the context of our relationship with others. The fruit of the Spirit in my life is not for me. The fruit of the Spirit in my life is not for me, myself, and I. The fruit of the Spirit in my life is for you. It's for you. It's to benefit you that I would use my freedom in Christ not to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve you humbly in love. 
that you would see evident in me these things, Pastor Adam. You would see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to get this. I want you to get it. The fruit of the Spirit is not some self-help tool. It's not for you. It's for others. The Holy Spirit gives me the ability to love God and to love others. At LifeSpring, as we learn to live by the Holy Spirit, our community, it will only grow stronger and healthier. As we serve one another humbly in love by the Spirit of God, we're going to begin to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control become the defining words of life at LifeSpring. You know, I was just reading the book by Pastor Ed Young. If you know who Pastor Ed Young is, he says, this life... Do you got, can you turn down these side ones? That's the other soundboard. Or, yeah, there you go. There you go. You can probably turn some of these ones back up. There you go. Well, it's funny, Ed Young, this is a side note, but the book I was reading, should I even say this? I should. I should say it. It's juicy. It's called The Sex Experiment. Where <laughs> it's about having sex with your wife for seven days. And here's the awkward thing about it. It was sent in my mail. So I actually opened up in front of our bookkeeper a book that said Sex Experiment. Talk about breaking out in a cold sweat. And I was like, I, didn't, I promise I didn't order this. I promise this wasn't me. But some publishing house was sending it to all the pastors. Anyways, if you want to help your love life and your marriage, go buy the book. Whatever. But <laughs> Pastor Ed Young, he says this. Uh, and he is a pastor, so he does love the Lord. And he loves sex. But he says this, he says, this life isn't about you. He says it's about God and about others. And when life becomes about God and others, you're going to begin to see the, the reality that you are to give to others and you are to serve others. From a gratitude and appreciation of all that God is doing and has done in your life, you will begin to give. You'll begin to see people as God sees them and you show them compassion and you help people in their need. And I see this happening at LifeSpring. I, I love that about LifeSpring. This is the most giving and most loving community I've ever been a part of. It's true. By, by a long shot. I mean, in fact, a bunch of you helped someone move this past week. It was an amazing uh, experience for me to watch. But let me say this too. Let's not be satisfied. Right? Let's not be content with that. Let God stir us up to challenge us, that he would continue to teach us, show us how to love, how to give, how to be a real community. Amen. Amen. Number six, building block of life at LifeSpring, children. Absolutely children. They're a huge part of what we do here at the church. It blows my mind, but I remember a time, literally, I remember a time when my daughter Ava was the only kid in the nursery and my son Trevin, he was the only boy, only kid. He's back there now. He was the only kid in children's church. In fact, I remember we, we met uh, Debbie, our children's ministry leader. She and I met, this is, I'm, we're talking about like just 16 months ago, 16, 17 months ago. And when we met, it was after a Sunday where we had zero kids in our class. Zero. Zilts. Nada. And, and I remember talking to her. I, I don't know if she remembers the conversation, but I said, Debbie, you have the hardest job. 
in all of the church. Because I expect you to prepare and to practice and get ready for a class as if a hundred kids were going to be there, even though the reality is there might be one or two or maybe even zero kids, right? But because if one child comes in, we want them to have the time of their life and we want them to hear about Jesus. There's nothing harder than what our children's workers were doing those first several months. But our amazing and our awesome teachers, they did it because they love kids and they know that we, as a LifeSpring Church, we know that children are vitally important what we do here in the community. Mark chapter 10, 13, 16. I read this last week. I want to read it again. It's just so good. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Get the image of this, okay? They're bringing little children to Jesus to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. I love that the Bible says he's indignant. I mean, you can just see Jesus standing up there just like, oh man, what are you doing? You, you, just, you fool. <laughs> he said to them, Pastor Adam, let the little children come to me. (laughs) He says, do not hinder them. Say, do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. Come on, get the picture. He took his children in his arms. He placed his hands on them. And what did he do? He blessed them. I think verse 14, what Jesus says in there really sums up LifeSpring's view of children. Jesus says, do not hinder them. Say it again. Do not hinder them. LifeSpring, don't hinder those children. Don't hinder them. Help them. Lead them. Love them. Show them Jesus. Because they represent the kind of people who will inherit the kingdom and live with Christ forever. Don't hinder them. Help them. Love them. If kids at LifeSpring ever become an annoyance or irritate you, you might need to spend some time in prayer that the Lord might change your heart because they don't irritate or annoy me and they don't irritate or annoy Jesus. He welcomes them. And LifeSpring Church, we need to do the same. Number seven, marriage. Marriage is just under attack, right? It it is under attack. We are now living in such a confused society that is trying to figure out what marriage is, what it should even look like. Marriage is on shaky ground. But at LifeSpring, we believe marriage, it's God's idea. Did you know that? He thought of it. He created it. Listen to what Jesus talks about marriage. He says, But at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. For this reason, the man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, would you say this with me? Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What God has joined together. What God has joined together. He's flat out saying the union of marriage. It's something that God does. It's not just a human decision or a human tradition. Marriage is something God does. It's something God did the day you got married. He joined you together and let no man separate what God joins together. Life bring what God joins together. He joins together deeply. It's deeper than feelings, deeper than promises, deeper than sex or friendship. It's deeper. Marriage, this is how deep it is. It's actually an image of the covenant commitment between Christ and his church. It's an image of the covenant commitment between Christ and the church that he died for. That's deep. That's what Ephesians 5 talks about. And to walk away from marriage for another relationship, it's not just about marriage, but it's about Christ and about God. What God joined together in man and woman, what God has joined together in Christ and the church, don't separate. 
God will never separate Christ in this church. And I pray that my marriage to my beautiful wife, Mary, will loudly declare this truth to the world. Don't lie to the world about the covenant between Christ and the church. God joined this. Don't separate it, even an image of it. Now, newsflash, most of the adults that are in this room who have been or who are married have also been divorced. You're not the only one. In fact, I would say at least, at least 50%, if not 60 to 70% of the adults in this room who have been married have also been divorced. I don't need a show of hands on that one. But the problem with divorce is that the minute I mention it on Sunday mornings, every one of you who has been divorced begins to, in your head, give the reason why you got the divorce. You are literally doing it right now. It's because he was a drunk. Because she cheated on me. He was abusive. She stole all the money. Whatever it is. Just relax. Take a deep breath. Yes, you got a divorce. But we aren't here to condemn you about your divorce. I hate divorce. God hates divorce. But what I care about today is today. I care about how you're heading into your tomorrow. And life spring, I really care about your kids. And I care about their future. And so at Livestream, we're going to talk a lot about your marriage. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about the joy of marriage, the beauty of marriage. We're going to talk about the struggles of marriage. We're going to talk about how it gets really, really hard in marriage. But I want to talk about how Jesus wants to help you in your marriage. As a church, we want to help you with your marriage. We want to give you resources and tools. This past year, we held an Art of Marriage conference. We put not just one, but two different marriage small groups together. Coming up on February 8th, like we announced, we are sending us men uh, going to a conference. I can't wait to go on sexual purity because we don't want the stupid sexual thing that's going on these days with it just doing it with who and whenever and however and with porn and everything that's blowing up in our faces right now. We don't want the church to be overcome by that. So we're going to do everything we can to fight that. So we're going February 8th. If you're a guy, you should come with me. Come in my car and we'll drive together. I, I just cannot wait for that. As a church, we are willing to pay for your first two counseling sessions if you need to go to marriage counseling. We want to do that. We are cheering you on. We are rooting you on. Marriage matters to us. So we're going to continue to talk about marriage as we move forward into this new year. You know, by the way, if you've been through a painful divorce and you need counseling, we would totally be willing to support you and to encourage you and to pay for the first two counseling sessions uh, for you as well. At LifeSpring, we will live um, to truly embrace and to celebrate marriage. And that, and I just so, so you know, regardless of what laws are given or what the society around us does, we just have certain ideas on what marriage is. And, and those will continue to be preached here at the church. And then number eight is purpose. Purpose. And I want to close with this. This is so important. At Life Spring, we will live with purpose. When we do things, they will be with purpose. They will be with intentionality and thought. Just working hard and accomplishing a bunch of well-meaning tasks, that's not going to be good enough for us. I've used this quote before, but I want to use it again. It's John F. Kennedy. This is so good. He says, efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. It's not good enough just to muscle up and go for it, right? To show a lot of effort, to show a lot of courage. You got to know where you're going and why you are going there. You got to have purpose and direction. And so at LifeSpring, everything we say, everything we do flows to the river of purpose. Anybody here able to shout out our church's purpose statement? Anybody know it? 
All right, I, I, could, I, I could tolerate that volume out of 8.45, sirs, because it's still pretty early. But again, four square, not Presbyterian, just we're like, woo, four square. Say it again, purpose statement. Yes, thank you, Lord. I am at the right church. Praise God. At LifeSpring Church, we love God and we love others, right? And because of our love for God and because of our love for others, we will, would you say it with me, win people for Christ, build strong disciples, and send missional leaders. Say it one more time. LifeSpring Foursquare Church, because we love God and love people, we will win people for Christ, build strong disciples, and send missional leaders. Everything we do, memorize that, by the way, write it down, memorize it. Everything we say, everything we do, every event, every program needs to flow through the filter of our purpose statement. It needs to hit at least one of those areas, either to win people for Christ, build strong disciples or send missional leaders. Because churches, this happens all the time. Churches get so easily distracted. They do. They lose focus. And they end up spending all of their time, all of their energy, all of their money on just doing church. Right? Just looking real churchy, real religious, making sure we got the right lights and the right equipment. And, and we stay really busy because we think if we're really, really busy, then God thinks we're really, really good. And so we do a bunch of meetings and a bunch of events and a bunch of programs. But then these churches sit down and they look at what they actually accomplished and it's hard for them to say anything. Anything. Because without vision, the people perish. It's true. The book of Proverbs tells us that. So what's our vision? It's Jesus. Our vision is God. It's Jesus. And we want people to find Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We have a part to play in that life spring church. We want to help people find Jesus. One of the things I love about this church is how many people come through those doors and they are seeking and they are searching. Not even know really what they're looking for or what they're searching for. But they're looking for something more. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for fulfillment. And while sitting in these chairs, like Joe said, they found Jesus. They came and lost, but they left found. And not only that, Jesus found them. That's good. I love it. We are Oh, we are all a part of the same soul winning team. Every one of us. If you came to this church expecting a pastor to do everything, it's not a good fit. We're never going to work out because I expect you to do a lot for the kingdom of God. God has prepared in advance good works for you to do. We are all together. We are working together to love this community for God. So you've got to invite your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates to church so that they can find true life, the abundant life like Joe was talking about that's found in Christ Jesus. And they will never, ever be the same. So we never want to lose that purpose to help win people for Christ. And we're going to build strong disciples. So important to the vitality of this church. We are in the business of building disciples. You will be challenged in this area as long as you attend this church. We do it in a variety of ways, including our daily reading plan. I already talked about it. Pick up your Bible and read. Find someone to hold you accountable in this area. For me, I read my Bible every day. But the journaling, you know, the journaling part, I'm not that good at the journaling part. But I think it's important, right? Because the journaling takes what you read and you get to apply it to your own life. So I'm like, no way. I'm not sitting in that place of complacency and stupidness. So I called Jason Dre 
Actually, I texted them because we text a lot these days. It's the new thing that people do. So I texted them last week and I said, Jason, I need you to hold me accountable for 14 days in this area of journaling because I want to get good at journaling. I figured 14 days would get me in the right direction of making journaling a habit. Seven days into it. One of them was at like 11.45 at night. I had a 15-minute deadline, but I did it. <laughs> so again, we're building strong disciples by doing our daily reading plan, as well as being a part of a life group. If you don't know what a life group is, you're going to know what one is by the time we're done with church next Sunday. It's that good. Join one. Everybody's doing it. Feel the peer pressure. Just whatever. Just join a life group. And then we're going to build strong disciples through classes, life, life track classes, marriage classes, financial classes, parenting classes, worship nights, prayer nights, men's group, women's group. We have several people involved in one-on-one mentoring relationships as well as accountability partnerships. We're bringing Robert Henderson in, flying him in from Texas for a three-part uh, three um, uh, speaking session. We're bringing in Jim Hayford to speak three times on the Holy Spirit. We, we really want to build strong disciples. Again, a strong disciple, a disciple, someone who follows Jesus, learns from him, calls him Jesus, master and savior and teacher. We are growing disciples who obey the commands of Jesus. We're growing disciples who obey the commands of Jesus. Some of us have been living too long calling ourselves Christians, and yet we do not obey the commands of Jesus. But Jesus, remember what he said? He said, and obey the commands that I've given you. Obey the commands of Jesus. And here's the deal. If we're really obeying God, if we're obeying Jesus, then one of the things that we need to do, one of the ways that we can obey his command is to send out missional leaders. This is really important. Listen to this. See, during his ministry, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he did a lot of sending out, didn't he? I mean, look, at, read Jesus. He is always sending people out. We need to do the same thing here at LifeSpring. Every one of us needs to be sent out. Come on, this is where it gets really good. Into our communities, into our schools, into our families, right? Into our, in, into, our, uh, into our community to shine the light. Like Mary said so beautifully during worship, to shine the light of Christ, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. Jesus told his disciples, I already read it, but I want to read it again. Listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Say Go. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. A disciple obeys the commands of Jesus, but then he goes and makes more disciples who obey the commands of Jesus. And then they go and they more, make more disciples who obey the commands of Jesus. And then they go and they make more disciples who obey the commands of Jesus. The Great Commission is accomplished through the replication of disciples making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Not by people just coming to church. No, you are a disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples. The Great Commission ends the day we just stop doing anything. We just sit in church or if we as a church stop sending people out, it's over. The great relay race of 2000 years, it's over. We dropped the baton. And I kind of feel this is an area that we have been weak in as a church. Churches in general, we just struggle with this area. We like to build our own kingdom, right? Our own church. And the thought of sending somebody somewhere else, it never enters our mind because the reality is all we're thinking about is all our problems, all our issues. We got enough to deal with. We don't need to send somebody out. But as a church, this past year, we have been very intentional and taken purposeful steps to combat the tendency to stay inwardly focused. This past year, we helped Hope Foursquare down the road eight months financially. 
We're currently helping Tacoma Foursquare Church in downtown Tacoma for six months. We began to increase our giving toward uh, Foursquare Missions. We brought missionaries in to speak to us. We sent Brother Ray to Ghana this past year on an evangelism trip. This year, as Emil Lagasse would say, we're taking it up a notch. We're sending Ray again. We're, we're sending Ray till he doesn't want to go. Like, we'll just keep on sending Ray. But we're sending Ray, and along with him, we are sending six to seven of our young leaders from our church to do an evangelistic crusade for the youth of Kosovo, Ghana, where we are praying for and expecting close to 15,000 youth to attend this two-day crusade. Come on, church. That's something to celebrate. Lifespring Church. I, I'm not saying we're joining some other people. We are putting together a crusade. This is the speaker of the crusade. He's actually going to have to wear a collar, they told me, which is hilarious. I told them they have to make a, take a picture so I can laugh at him. Come on. We're sending you out. Lifespring, we've sent worship leaders to lead worship at other churches. Pastor Adam, he spoke at an FBLA conference. I've led worship and spoken at other churches. Pastor Randy has been all through this community. He's also a chaplain. We've been sending people out, but in my gut, I know it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. And we're going to send people out just like Jesus sent out the 72 in Luke chapter 10. This is what he said. This is so good. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go. Say go. 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 I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, some of you, we're going to send out um, when you move, right? When you move or when you start attending another church. I just had a family. They decided to start attending another church that was closer to the home. I had the privilege to be able to pray for them and believing that we, Lifespring, are sending them out. It looks like we're going to have another family that we're going to lose that's moving across the, the, the mountains over to Spokane. And I believe with all my heart that we will be sending them out to be influencers for the kingdom of God wherever they go. I believe that. But for most of us, we will send you out and then you're going to come back, right? We send you out and then you return. We send you out into your families, into your schools, into your workplace. You are sent out by the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in this world, to shine the light of Christ into the darkness. And then we join together again, right? We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We worship the Lord together. But then you get sent out again. And we will continue to send you out. Win, build, send. That's why we exist. Out of our love for God and our love for others, we exist to win people for Christ, to build strong disciples and to send out missional leaders. And this morning, as we close, we just wanted to remind all of us, every one of us, of our purpose in a tangible way. So we are sending you out this week with something simple, but also something I believe could be extremely powerful. We would like each one of you to take a Starbucks gift card. Each card has $5 on it. Take one. Just take it and pray to the Lord. Ask him to lead you by his Holy Spirit on how to use this card. Maybe you are supposed to give it to someone as a gift or maybe as a random act of kindness. Pray to the Lord to lead you in that. You know, maybe you're supposed to use it, use the card to buy a drink and you're supposed to physically hand a drink to somebody. Maybe you're supposed to give it to your neighbor or your friend or your coworker. I don't know. But here's the deal and here's the key. Allow the Lord to lead you. Allow him to send you into the harvest. Get in the game. Get on the field. Put the spiritual armor on and do something for the Lord. He has created you 
in advance, prepared you, equipping you to do a good work. And so we're just going to try to help you in that. This isn't going to change the world, but we want to help you. We want to challenge you in this. You know what? Allow him to send you out. Just, just be that bold. Take it that seriously. Allow him to send you out. You never know the doors that he might open for you as you surrender to his leadings and his promptings. So we are sending you out. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to invite Pastor Adam to come up. He's going to pray over these cards. And then we're going to conclude the service. Amen. Amen. Woo! Anybody jacked up yet? Fired up? When Dan talks, I get, I get nervous and I get jacked up. He has so much passion and power behind it. I love it. Hey, what, Dan, what Pastor Dan was talking about, we do. We have these $5 gift cards um, um, from Starbucks. You should have seen the receipt. It was huge. It was literally long, about the size of the stage. Anyways, length. But listen, we want to put these in your hand, just like Pastor Dan said, because we want to challenge us. We want to challenge us, all of us, to go out and be the light into a dark world. And, let, and, and what Pastor Dan was talking about with number eight, purpose, that there's a purpose behind it. I do a lot of things in my life that sometimes there's really no purpose or passion behind. I just do it because I have to type deal. But with this, let's change that. Let's have a passion. Let's have a purpose to put these cards into somebody's hand that's going to open up a conversation that's going to change a life. Amen. Can we do that? So let's pray over these cards. If you would stretch your hands. Jesus, we thank you for today. God, I pray that these wouldn't just be $5 gift cards to Starbucks. But God, that they would represent your light into a dark world. Lord, I pray that they would... Uh, that you would anoint these cards. God, you would anoint our hands. You would give us the words to say to the people that you put on our hearts. Jesus, right now, I pray that you would begin to speak to us and tell us exactly who to give these cards to. And Lord, that that, that would open up a conversation where we could share the good news of who you are. So, Father, we thank you for it. Lord, we ask that you would give us a boldness. God, where there was timidity or just downright scared God that we would be bold instead so Jesus use these cards use our lives to shine the light of you into the world in Jesus name amen